I'd like us to go to uh, Luke chapter 4. I will start from verse 1. It says, He, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end, uh, at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it was it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone who wants to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself. Down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Alright, we're continuing on the series of talking about Jesus. And uh, I think, like I said, it is important for us to, you know, obviously this year we, we, we're planning to do that. And among anything that we can preach about, all the how to handle life, how to, how to you know, live a successful life, I think believers, the disciples of Jesus, churchgoers, Christians, need to have the true understanding of Jesus. Like I said before in the beginning, everybody has an opinion about Jesus. As a matter of fact, people from other religions, like the Muslims especially, very strong in, in their presentation of what Jesus is not or what he believe. And unless the Christians know the truth about Jesus, you are not going to stand strong in your belief system. Because Jesus tried to, uh, people of the world tried to squeeze this concept of Jesus into the world's mold and present and represent Jesus to us. Absolutely. The media, and some of them are good. Oh, Jesus is a good person, but he's more than that. He's God. He's worthy to be obeyed. That's why we We'll talk about Jesus. I began with the John chapter 1 and John, as you know, in, uh, in the John's prologue, where it says Jesus is the Word became flesh, the Word of God became flesh. He is God. And uh, so often people ask the questions like, okay, if Jesus is the Word, so is this Jesus? 
you know. People have seen it for you. Like, what, you say, this is Jesus' word? Jesus is the incarnate word. This is the written word. Alright? There's, there's, there's a distinction. The written word and the incarnate word. As, as we read that John, uh, Luke chapter 4, the title of my sermon today is The Incarnate Word Takes Very Seriously the Written Word. As we read this thing, oh, last week we were talking about the Son of God was hungry. God became a man, experienced human experience. He was hungry and he was weary, he was tired, sitting by the well, talking to a woman. This passage shows that God became a man. As a man, he was also tempted, just like you and I. So this is the thing. We're trying to figure out if God became a man, this man, God, how is he going to handle life like you and I handle life? And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest of you by Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect or every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How does he do that? And I want to, you know, from this passage, I really want to push this idea that Jesus, as the incarnate word, takes very seriously the written word. And I think that would be the least for you and I as flesh to also take to take the written word very seriously. Now this story, this story of Jesus being tempted happened just after the, the baptism. Alright? So in the baptism, Jesus walked, got into the water as he was praying, being baptized. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that the heavens were open and there's a voice coming from heaven, from God the Father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was a massive supernatural experience and also the Holy Spirit came in, in the appearance of a dove. Massive experience, supernatural, powerful. So the Father spoke, the people witnessed that, and the Holy Spirit came as the anointing upon Jesus. And then the moment he stepped into the wilderness, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit to be tempted. Fasting, hungry, and then Satan came. If you are the son of God. Doesn't, doesn't that just sound really familiar? The first temptation of the first man in the Garden of Eden. What happened? Satan came to Eve and he asked if did God actually say? And now... The temptation to Jesus, the perfect man, is the same temptation. 
even though he didn't say the same, same thing, but implied pretty much the same thing. Are you really the son of God? If you are the son of God, you know, as if to say, did God really say you are the son of God? As I read that carefully, I thought, I thought this is kind of interesting. Jesus didn't say to Satan, to the devil, listen, weren't you there 40 days ago? My father spoke from heaven. Everybody saw it. Weren't you there? The Holy Spirit came when I was baptized. He didn't say that. Here's the thing. I want to speak specifically for us as Pentecostals. We kind of pride ourselves in providing experience of the presence of God, provide you know, the, the experience of, you know, spiritual atmosphere. But as I learned from, from these this, this passages, as powerful, as supernatural as the experience of Jesus, he didn't put, he didn't draw the strength from that experience. He drew the strength from the written word. Wow. He didn't say to Satan, man, that was, my experience was this. No, he didn't. He said, it is written. Hey, listen, I'm, I, I believe one of the fruits of, of our faith is the experience. We have to experience God. Otherwise, it's just a concept. God is more than a concept. But I noticed that Jesus, under pressure, he didn't go back. He didn't draw his strength from the experience he, as reason as it was. Many of us would go back as far as like two, three, four, five, ten years ago. God did this. But Jesus actually, even as reason, as, as that, that experience, he actually drew his strength from the written word. It is written. It is written. God says, this is my son. The devil said, if you are the son of God. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus said, now, nah. I go back to the written word. And of all the scriptures he could have quoted, it was Deuteronomy chapter 8. <laughs> like, you know, one of those books that you actually read, you just scan through because you don't understand. But man, he was so with it. And then there was the first temptation. The devil sort of, sort of began with, the, with the, where Jesus was at. The flesh, you know, okay, you're a son of God. You're flesh, you're hungry. Let me try with this. Okay, that didn't work. Let me try something else. The next thing, what did he do? He came and offered the will of God. Let's look, this, look at this. In verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdom of the world. And he offered him. And he said, this is mine. 
Was the devil speaking the truth? Absolutely. Because in uh, Luke chapter, uh, in, in, in John, also Jesus was talking about my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus actually was speaking very clearly that, and in John chapter, chapter 12, verse 31, where Jesus said, now is the time for judgment, for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where the angels blew the trumpet and they declared the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So it is a future thing that Jesus will inherit the whole world. So was it a temptation? Absolutely. Because... Jesus knew that to, to, to gain the kingdom, of God, the kingdom of the world, he had to pay the price and he had to go do it through the cross. So here's the thing. The devil came and offered the will of God. Isn't that interesting? It was the will of God for Jesus to inherit the kingdom of the world. One day the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? That's how subtle, how cunning the devil is. He, can't, he came and offered the will of God. But Jesus knew that it's not enough to do the will of God. We have to do the will of God, God's way. So many of us run around trying to do the will of God. But it's not enough. We have to do it his way. And God's way is the cross. So guess what? Jesus answered with the word of God. Also, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verse 13. One of those boring books that we we sort of can't understand, but it was good enough for Jesus. (laughs) One of those books that we love to scan through because we just hard, it's hard to understand, but Jesus pretty much has mastered that, so he can quote it just like that. So, first temptation, he just on the flesh. The next temptation, he started to offer the will of God. And guess what? The next temptation... He used the word of God. (laughs) He quoted the book of Psalms, Psalms 91. Let's read it. And then he said, In verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, there you go. Prove it. <laughs> because the Bible says this, he goes to the written word. Now he thought, okay, you want to talk about the word of God? I'm going to play, play on, your, on, your, on, on the same stage. He's very cunning. For it is written. 
He will command his angels concerning you to guard and you, to guard you carefully, but they will lift you up. Uh, they will lift you up in, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's from Psalm ninety-one. And of, co- of course, Jesus came back again with Deuteronomy chapter sixteen, verse sixteen. It says, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here's the thing. Jesus put so much trust into the written word of God. The devil knows the written word of God. So if you and I don't know the written word of God, what hope do we have? Wow. I'm going to say it again. Jesus... The incarnate word drew his strength from the written word of God. And the devil knows the written word of God. And if you and I are not diligent with the word of God, what hope do we have? That's why there are many Christians. They get excited about whatever the band, about what whatever we have to offer in the contemporary, in our contemporary approach, but they are stumbled in the first temptation, bang, just as fast as they walk into the, into the church, as fast as they go out of the church and bitter and you know, all kinds of stuff because they don't have the foundation of drawing from the word of God. There's another man who was present in the baptism of Jesus. He saw the same thing as the rest of the crowd saw. Jesus being baptized. The Father, God the Father spoke from heaven. His, this man, he himself baptized Jesus. So he had the same experience as Jesus. Like they were together in the water. Under pressure, what happened? Under pressure, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the guys, are you the Messiah? Are we still waiting for another one? The experience didn't actually steady his walk with God. He saw, he heard the the, the voice from heaven, but under pressure he crumbled. Jesus, are you the Messiah or are we still waiting for another one? What's going on, John? Let me see how serious Jesus is about the, the word of God. Remember Luke chapter 24. Two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they, was, they were talking about the experience. This guy called Christ, Messiah, he was crucified. And we heard that, 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 that he was raised from the dead. We were confused. What's going on? And Jesus walked by with them. Didn't reveal who he was. If I was Jesus, I thought, hey, guys, look, look, look. This is me. This is me here. Like, come on. What does the Bible say? The Bible says he took them. As as a matter of fact, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 24. I love this scripture. Luke 24, 25. 
from verse 25. He didn't sort of grab them by, by the scarf like, come on, you know, this is, look at me. Jesus is here. He said, it says here, he said to them, you idiots. No, he said, you foolish, <laughs> how foolish are you? <laughs> and how slow to believe. Pretty much saying the same thing. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. And, verse, and he, he said in verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory and listen to verse 27. And beginning with Moses, that is talking about the whole of the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The five books. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I would have loved to get the YouTube of that, <laughs> or the podcast of that teaching, man. He didn't perform miracles, signs, and wonders. He didn't do anything. He took them to the scripture, the written scripture. Took them back. Man, wouldn't that be amazing to sit under Jesus' teaching of the whole of the Old Testament? Just expound the Old Testament. Like, whoa. (laughs) I would have loved that. And then listen to what they say in verse 31. When, by the time Jesus came to their house, break the bread, and then in verse 31, it says, their eyes were open and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their side. Listen to verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, guys. The world doesn't need weak Christians. They need Christians who know who they are, who know Christians who know Jesus according to what this written scripture is saying. Not my pastor's opinion. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he teaches you. you guys, and I teach you guys, but you you guys need to have the diligence to just look at it for yourself. I believe in experience, but sometimes certain experience we don't know why things don't happen. Things happen. Listen, I believe science and wonders is part of our, of our faith. I remember when I was, you know, this is like, again, a testimony. When early on I, I talk about taking 40-day fast, I did in the beginning of, of, the, of our church, I took 40-day fast, just drinking water, and uh, I, uh, I took what we call V8 juice for 40 days, no solid food. I lost 12 kilos. <laughs> and... Uh, it's like my, 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 my spiritual eyes, my discerning, I could see things. I could, and I remember going to a, to a birthday party, this friend of ours, during this fast, and he said, Bram, I need you to pray for this lady who, who is pregnant, 
uh, eight months pregnant, but she's got a tumor in her kidney. So on Tuesday, she needed to be operated. They need to remove the tumor from her kidney. But because she's pregnant, it's going to be a very delicate operation, uh, you know. So anyway, you got to understand, birthday party, and I'm hungry. <laughs> Everybody's having barbecue. So I said, yeah, whatever. So there was no fear of faith. I just believed the word of God. So in his lounge room, Di and I, we, we were there, we prayed. And I just, the word of God came to me. Just tell her, nothing, nothing is impossible for God. But more than that, the word of God also says, nothing is impossible for those who believe. And I said, I don't have the power, but I can believe. But I want you to join with me and let's believe together. And so I laid hands on her. After that, I forgot, you know, like maybe because of the fasting, you know, the stuff going on in my head. So I forgot about the whole thing. Now, a week later, I, uh, I realized, oh, that girl I prayed for. I said, did anything happen? <laughs> I rang my friend. And he said, she went to the hospital and they opened her up and couldn't find the tumor. I said, so why did they recognize it's a, it's, it's a tumor? It's a miracle? And apparently the doctor said, oh, because her kidney kind of shape is, is a bit strange, so it looks like a tumor. And I talked to my other doctor friends. I said, is that, would that be the case? The guy said, you don't open someone up unless you know there's something there. <laughs> you know, they don't just kind of carelessly, you know. They have to be sure that there's something there. Now, then, you know, the next week I pray for someone with a headache, nothing happened. You know, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I believe in the, in the supernatural, but sometimes, you know, we need to go beyond that, beyond that and really believe in the Word of God. I experienced supernatural. God healed me from heart attack. I had a heart attack. You all, many of you know, in 2010. To the point that the GP said, this, this, your blood test cannot, cannot lie. This must be a miracle. This is the GP said. And I also got healed from my bulging of the disc in, in, you know, in the back because of my work-related sort of uh, injury. So I experienced all that. But you know what? I've lived my life. I thank God for healing me. But I live my life just on the will of God. We cannot make sense of God, but God has given us his word. Sometimes God doesn't seem to make sense, but we have his word. We try to figure out why and how. Let's just settle with this statement here. I love this. This is my favorite. If I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. 
My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his lips more than my daily bread. Isn't that beautiful? Are we we reading poems now in church? (laughs) Yes, we are. That's Hebrew poems. Job chapter 23, verse 8 to 11. Job said, I went to the west, he's not there. I went to the east, or I went to the east, he's not there. I went to the west, I can't find him. I can't even see his movement. But one thing I have is his word, which I treasure more than my daily bread. Let's all stand up. Can I have the measles, please? Jesus is very serious about the written word. You guys can guess what, what song I would like to have, so... Jesus is very serious about the written word. To draw his strength, he went to Deuteronomy. And to explain himself as the Messiah, as the risen Messiah, after the resurrection, with all the, the glorious body where he can walk through the wall, he can, you know, he can disappear, like you know, we, we saw that, he could disappear, he could do all those things, supernatural this glorified body, still he explained himself with the written word of God. He might not make sense to you and I, but you got that. That's what you can rely on, eh? Sometimes it doesn't make sense, does it? But he gave us that. Father, we thank you for the word, Lord. This is the most precious thing you have given us, Lord. The written word. There were many times where, you know, life, the way life does things or throws things at us. Human beings, you know, we, you go through things. There are moments of lack of faith, full of faith. You're up, you're down, you're up and down. That's okay. That is why, you know, we call that being human. But that's why we have the Word of God. While the rest of the world teach you and I to do whatever we feel right to do. No, I don't do that. You and I are not supposed to do that. We only do things according to what the Bible says. Because sometimes you feel like you want to scream. The Bible says, no, you have the peace of God in you. And you hang on to that. Husbands and wives. <laughs> you have tension in your relationship. And you go to bed 
the husband decides to go to the other bedroom, the wife to the other, the other bedroom, the Bible says, do not let your anger go down with the sun. You don't feel like talking to your wife at that moment, but you do it because that's what the Word of God says. That's, that's the way it is. It rules our lives. Many Christians fail in their marriage just as much as the world because they don't know their word. Sometimes people say, I just need to work harder in my faith. No, 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 you need to surrender harder. Really. It's about surrendering harder to the will of God and giving up your right harder. <laughs> when I say giving up your right, sometimes you're right in a dispute. But even that, you have to give that up because the Bible says so. As a result, we, people can't see the difference between Christians and, and the world. Because we are, not, we are not ruled by this. I'm not talking about being legalistic. When I say obey the word of God, not to be saved, we obey the word of God because we are saved. That legalistic or legalism is you do the word of God to be justified be right before God. No, 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 no. I do that because I'm a person who has already been made right by God. I'm doing this not to be saved, neither to stay saved. I'm, I will stay saved. I'm doing this because I am saved. Come on. Let's be serious about this stuff. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I just pray. Why don't you all raise your hands? I'm going to pray a blessing. Father, with every hand lifted up, I pray for a new passion that comes from the Holy Spirit, from the Spirit of Jesus Himself, for the written Word of God, for your people to desire to do nothing else but to obey everything your Word says. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Bless them with amazing truth contained in this written word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.